So, good afternoon, good morning, uh, bonas dias, bonas noches. <laughs> Como estas, Timothy? Bienvenido um, to the Uptime Punks. Um, <laughs> new episode, new year, new guests, and not so new topic because it's the second time we talk about blockchain on this podcast. I, I would say... I would say we're yeah. gifted. The punks are gifted with a sixth sense. We knew. We knew. We knew that the conspiracy theories. Thirty-five Yeah, I was saying the timing couldn't be better to talk about Bitcoin. So here it is: your Bitcoin podcast about why the Bitcoin got so high and what will happen next. And, 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 and a lot of Paul's conspiracy theories. <laughs> and a lot of conspiracy theories and what Boris Johnson has to do with. And North Korea, what Boris Johnson, North Korea have to do with the Bitcoins, you will get and it in the next... you know what's really great about this podcast, I must say it, um, which this is... This is, first... this is This is not really... I'm very humble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a fan podcast because our guest... It's reached out to us because she heard our podcast and she said, I would like to come as a guest. And this is really where we're going to have more of this year, where we're just going to see how the network is growing. And yeah, we hope you guys enjoy this podcast. It's live from Argentina and from Barcelona. Barcelona. And yeah, enjoy. So, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, and a happy new year, everybody. The first episode of the Uptime Punks in the year 2021, which bears so many hopes and hopefully not fears for you. And the timing could not be better for this episode, since um, we have uh, two blockchain experts from the company Coinfabrik um, as guests. We have Sebastian and Valeria uh, from Spain and Argentina, and we will talk about blockchain. So with the latest developments um, occurring in that space, I guess um, this will be a very interesting conversation um, and I look forward to it. So Sebastian and Valeria, um, hi and welcome to the Uptime Punks. How are you today? Hi, uh, hi team. Uh, we are fine. Uh, we are starting the year uh, with all the energy. Uh, and I think uh, Bitcoin today passed uh, $35,000, okay, which is a good moment to, to have this talk. So, hello, everyone. <laughs> and thank you, Paul and Tim, for having us. Yes, these are exciting times. And, and so, so glad that, that we can make this. Yeah, so it's, does it's, anybody of you have, have uh, um, uh, Bitcoin stocks at the moment? Because I don't, unfortunately. So uh, <laughs> what I, about I would you? Say that I would like to have more. <laughs> okay, <laughs> understood. Great. Okay. So before we touch on the subject and maybe come back to Bitcoin and why it has um, uh, why it has become so valuable um, at these times, we just want to get to know you both. And um, I propose we start with a couple of questions to get to know you. And um, I would say 
we just do it that way. I ask the question, then Sebastian answers, and then Valeria answers, and then we turn to the next question. And there's a couple, um, there's a total of five questions uh, about technology and your relationship with it. Are, with it. are you ready? Great. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. So tell us, Sebastian and Valeria, what was your favorite, or the, what, what is your favorite tech gadget at the moment? Uh, well, my favorite gadget right now, beyond obviously a mobile phone and, and notebook, is the smartwatch. Okay, mm -hmm. I really like to be uh, uh, to have this uh, constant analysis of your health. Okay, in a device, and what you can do, I, I think you can run, you can do some sports, and have a moni uh, an active monitoring without porting the mobile phone. Okay, I think returning to using a watch uh, is great and smartwatch uh, i expect that smartwatch in the future will offer more things okay relative to health maybe replacing some doctors in the middle mm -hmm. do you also well, use it as a phone yeah. or a... no no only only as a watch okay oh, as okay. a watch and obviously for all the sports uh, functionality oh, and right. sleep obviously functionality love that what about you valeria well, I, I thought about this and I was like, okay, I do like my Roomba and, and that kind of thing. But uh, when, I, when I, to be honest, it's like my laptop is my favorite gadget. It, it's so basic and it's like traditional in a way, but uh, I'm using it so much for work. It's like, it has become my, my best friend. I actually sleep with him and all. And so... <laughs> For being perfectly honest, uh, yeah, she's the one. <laughs> okay. What kind of model do you have? Because the next question will be about your first computer. So I'm interested to see what kind of evolution you, you made from uh, your today's laptop um, back to your first computer. Well, should I, should I, should I okay, so my first computer, the first computer that I actually bought like by myself with my money was, was a loan from my parents, but still was an iMac, the purple one. Do you remember those computers? Like the big ones with the, <laughs> yes. And she was perfect. She was fantastic. She died, uh, the internet actually killed her. She died through the, an Ethernet port. It was a electricity shock, you know, during a storm. And it killed the motherboard. So the internet actually killed my first computer, and I still miss her. <laughs> okay, and it was a she. So uh... yeah, it was. She was. It, it was an iMac. Do you, uh, an iMac. I think that is a she, right? Don't I don't know. I, I didn't design it. I, yeah, perhaps. Perhaps it was. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love this. Um, what about you, Sebastian? But, uh... Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, my first computer was an Apple II. Okay, wow. I don't know if you have like it's like the one of the most popular uh, home computers at the time, uh, and it was unpopular here in Argentina. Uh, it was popular uh, maybe in US in, in Europe. Okay, uh, so uh, I I didn't hype games for the computer, uh, and I started developing software there to to develop my own games because I didn't have friends with an Apple II, okay? So that was a good starting, okay? The scarcity, I think, is a good thing. 
Yeah, that's right. A really produces... cool first computer. That's a, for in Argentina. That's like one. In you a were million. a hipster. You were like you were like people yeah. were like, wow, what is this? Like an alien. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What makes this computer? Sebastian, do, do you still have it? You, do you still have the hardware? Do you still have your computer? No, no, no. Uh, some people enter at my home and they and they, they stole, stole it. it. Oh my god! <laughs> so there there was no. So this computer is in my memory. Okay. Right now. <laughs> in your RAM. Yes, yes, but I have a Commodore Amiga. Uh, probably oh. you know the Commodore Amiga, and, and I have it in uh, at home, but obviously it's not connected right now. Okay. Okay. So one so, computer stolen and one computer killed. Yeah. Quite a sad <laughs> bottom line, to be honest. So I think uh, with your current gadgets, you, you seem to be more than happy. So I, I'm happy for you that it's today. Um, at least technology seems to be uh, still working and gets you running. So um, there is not only a first computer in life, there is um, for most of the people also a first phone in life. And uh, I remember when I got mine at 18 years old, when you reach maturity, <laughs> uh, before that my parents wouldn't buy me one. And then at 18, I was given some money to buy my first phone which opened obviously a whole other world. It was a Nokia 3310. And I'm wondering about what your first phone was, Sebastian. I was late in the mobile phone game because I remember looking at people messaging things at uh, using SMS and saying, no, I, I, I will never, I will never uh, have a phone. Okay. Until I bought the, Motorola B360, which uh, had a Bluetooth and micro SD, which was great at the moment. Okay, uh, so uh, I, I, I immediately I found that uh, I really hated phones. Okay, until obviously Apple and Android uh, with Google, okay, came out with a really a good experience and an open or a more open operating system. Okay, in the sense that what I really hated was this variety of phones, super close when you can do very small things and when you have issues connecting with Bluetooth or you they don't accept some kind of uh, I don't know earphone brand. Uh, so I so the next phone was the iPhone one and it was like oh. Uh, uh, it was like a great moment. And then now I am using like an Android, okay? An ST and oh, S10 from Samsung. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I, but, but, I, but, I, but are you crazy like some of our guests we had before? So they're also, because from what I hear is you're a little bit of the developing software kind of spectrum, let's say, from that side. So um, we have some guys that come on and they said, we don't use Apple, we use Android because on Android, you can use the developer mode. Is that what you're doing as well? Using the developer yes. mode? Yes, I am. I am now not developing for the mobile phone, but yes, I have the developing mode on, and that's true <laughs> that the iPhone is is uh, more close, uh, obviously more closed. But the iPhone one was jailbroken. Uh, okay. so I remember that. <laughs> it was completely open in a way. Okay, even if Apple uh, didn't want to do that, but it was a great phone. Yeah, because originally it was only available for the U.S. So I also got one, and and you had to jailbreak it uh, to get in. 
you know, <laughs> to use it. And that was that was something fun to do. Uh, I, I had one of those. Uh, my first phone was a Nokia, uh, just like you, Tim, and and something close to Sebastian. I I was like, okay, this is this is just a phone, and I don't need this kind of permanent interaction with everyone. So I quit, and I I, I left it, and I spent like I don't know two or three years without a phone, and then with smartphones, uh, of course, I I got back <laughs> into it. Yeah, seems you were the kind of customers that were ahead of the time, uh, just simply. Um, yeah, Sebastian, phones. And, and, I, and, and I had a Palm Pilot before. Oh! Which, <laughs> like, indeed, my companion was a Palm Pilot. Do you remember the Palm? Okay? Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I never uh, like, it's one. like an agenda where you can obviously write notes, and there is a, well, there was a pencil, okay? Yeah. And then they, they launched uh, mobile phones, using that technology okay, afterwards. Yeah. But it was like a moment before uh, mobile phones were popular. So you never really had a pager? Because uh, I, my oh, first I thing a was a pager. I, 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 used a pager. To, I used to page my parents, <laughs> call me or pick me up, <laughs> something like this. It was really expensive. It was like, I think it was like one Deutschmark per message or two Deutschmark per message when you send it. And, and it was like uh, troublesome, but because you had to call and leave a message, and then you would get it, and you would have to call back, and it was like, yeah, but, but yeah. I had one briefly. I don't know yeah. what happened to that. But yeah. <laughs> cool. So now we know a bit more about your uh, relationship to technology, or at least your consumer preferences, if I may say so. Um, but to kind of get to see where you're really at, um, obviously knowing that you are two blockchain experts, once from Argentina and once from Spain with um, Italian roots, perhaps for yeah. Valeria. Basically. Yeah, no, but, but I'm Argentinian as well. And ah. we know each other with Sebastian in, we, we met in Argentina and I recently moved to, to Spain. So, okay. so yeah. And, and just, I would like to add that I, I don't think of myself as an expert. <laughs> this is a, a dynamic environment. And so you kind of like, it's a constant learning. And this yeah. is, that, that's where I am. And gladly, I love it. It's fantastic. So dynamic. Okay. So more of an enthusiast then. But um, what we really would like to know from you both is what do you think of the notion of uptime because these are the uptime punks and to give you some kind of context it was born out of the idea that uptime is the all-defining overall concept of data centers right data centers that obviously have um, become more and more important during the pandemic because they they are the backbone of our digital life now and uptime is yeah is important so this is why we are the uptime punks little side note but would like to know from you what your perspective is on the topic. How do you define uptime, Sebastian? Uh, well, I, I define uptime as a metric for the reliability of a system, basically. So uh, uptime is good. <laughs> 100 uptime is, is great. And I think uh, uptime punk is a, is a good combination. Okay? It's been a punk 100% of the time. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah, we try to be punks 100% of the time. Um, 
I think the punk came more from the notion of wanting to challenge a little bit the industry and being kind of uncensored, raw and natural, just as we are being now. So and, and talk know. about the things nobody wants to talk about. That's the yeah. Other sometimes, thing, so. sometimes um, there's that's even great. that. Yeah, um, especially when it comes to renewable energy and um, sustainability in the sector. Um, but there's still lots of room for progress, I'd say. So, Valeria, you're the definition of uptime. Of uptime? Well, a little bit like Sebastian, I guess. The first time I've heard the word, it was like, a, you know, like running a, a system. And then it came like uh, the song, which was like, okay, <laughs> so weird. But, uh, but I think that it, it's great. Your definition is, is fantastic. I've been all the time, like constantly a punk or a funk. It's, <laughs> it's fun. At least it's fun. And you stay alert into what's new, what's happening, and you know, like keeping like a critical mind. That's what I understand. All right. Um, then I, I would, I would, I would like to know from the both of you. Let's start with Valeria. Um, how how you define blockchain? What is blockchain in your eyes? In and a short perhaps, sentence. And, ah, okay, in a short sentence. Because I would like to ask a follow-up question. I want a short already. description. How would you? If, if if you would meet somebody in the elevator and tell them, what do you do for a living? You say, well, I work with blockchain. And then the person says, well, what is blockchain? How would you explain blockchain in a short version? In, in just a sentence, if, well, but, but what's that about? Is the, the infrastructure behind Bitcoin? That's what I would say. So there comes like the next question and uh, what's Bitcoin? <laughs> well, that's a cryptocurrency. And, and you keep on you know, like with the questions yeah. on and on. <laughs> So I'm guessing Sebastian probably has a, a better reply for that. Yes, Sebastian, what is, what, is your, uh, what is your Oxford Dictionary description of uh, blockchain? No, no, I think the, the short version is a decentralized database with strong security assumptions, okay? Uh, okay. In the sense that, to explain a little bit, like if we only have a decentralized database, uh, we can have like uh, bad actors who can change the records of the database, okay? And that will not be a good definition for blockchain because we need the part that gives us safety. So the strong uh, security uh, assumptions uh, are a good addition. Okay, I think it's a short explanation. Okay, and then um, yeah, it's also what is... a way. Uh, I think that what's really interesting about blockchain <clears throat> is the matter of trust. You know trying to build a trust between parties that otherwise wouldn't exist. And that's something that really changes everything if you're able to do that. And I but think that somebody must have to trust a key because what if something goes wrong? So somebody must be able to, because for me, blockchain is a process that you put into motion that cannot be accessed by any other party until A gets delivered to B, right? But what if between the process, something goes wrong, somebody needs to stop the process? Um, and this is where things get complicated because I remember in I flew to well this was maybe three years ago I flew to Frankfurt this was um, Philip Sandner he gave a seminar there and then there was a meeting with a lot of politicians and there was a discussion about in Germany about the um, citizen coin which means that if you go it's like a it's like a miles and more loyalty program with the German government. So if you go and pay your fines on time, you get points and you can use these points, for example, to access museums or to buy okay. any cheap government services. 
And then they said, well, we need to store the data somewhere and it has to all run through a blockchain. And then the question was, okay, so where is the data going to be stored? Is it going to be stored in Berlin? But then in Germany, you have like the free states. And then, well, it's, it's at the end, it's always still going to be one person that's going to be able to access the data. So it doesn't really serve the purpose of blockchain. But maybe this is just, I'm, I'm, I'm not like against blockchain, but maybe I just... Um, it's just I I don't feel it's it's a new invention of the wheel, but I just think it was there before. But it's just it has a fancier name now. That's the way how I see it. But um, maybe you guys well, see it different. Well, Sebastian, correct me if I'm wrong. But as I understand, blockchain actually is the combination of existing technologies. Like it's a new technology, but it's the combination of technology that existed at that time. Is that correct, Sebastian? Uh, yes. What we can say, like combining, obviously, what. Paul said and, and Valeria, uh, is that one, uh, the term, the blockchain term is abused a lot, okay? Uh, because obviously you have the business people, okay? And also the scammers, okay? Who say, oh, we have a new opportunity, okay? To sell things under this new term, okay? And that's dangerous, okay? So I think that's the idea that uh, that's your experience, Paul. Uh, indeed, you say, well, okay, what happens if you stop the blockchain? Well, you have an assumption always in blockchain about how distributed your system is, okay? If it's, if Bitcoin is just two nodes running in the world, well, we, don't, we, we cannot have Bitcoin as an example, okay? We need thousands of nodes, okay, to, to, to have this system working, okay? And again, as Valeria said, like, these ideas were before Bitcoin, okay? But Bitcoin or Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever it was, or, or uh, basically combined things that nobody saw before, okay? In the sense yeah. that the, the, the story is in the 90s, there were a lot of privacy groups, okay? The cypherpunks, okay? Uh, looking for using, looking uh, to use cryptography, okay, for the personal freedom, okay? And, well, we had cryptography for uh, messaging, okay? For, we can message ourselves in a, in a secret way, okay? We had that technology in the 90s, but, we, but one idea was to have a financial system without banks, okay, peer-to-peer, -peer, and without a central bank. And that idea, okay, nobody could solve that idea in the 90s, and the first working uh, program was Bitcoin, okay, in 2009, okay? So we, we can trace the ideas uh, before 2009, but nobody combined that, okay, before. But, but don't you think, like, looking now at the Bitcoin, because Tim mentioned it at the beginning already, like, <clears throat> because I checked now, you said $35,000. I checked a year back today, date, it was $7,770. So um, do you think now, um, me and Tim had to debate about the terms of it. Um, do you think this is more like a bull run now, or this is just simple inflation that people are scared because they don't know what's going to happen with their money due to the pandemic and all the economy is collapsing? Um, because... There's a, well, knock on wood, everybody's healthy and everything, but there's a massive eco economical impact which the virus is going to have on a lot of countries. And people that have money are scared that their money is maybe not even safe anymore in the banks. So um, uh, how, how do you see the trend at the moment? 
Uh, okay. Uh, the the trend the trend I, I see is that um, is that there is one is about inflation, okay? Uh, like there is a thing about inflation in the world, okay? That, that can happen obviously because we know that because of the pandemic, uh, a lot of companies are uh, a lot of governments indeed are <laughs> uh, are helping people and organizations around the world, okay? So that creates inflation, and indeed we that's obviously a side subject, but we don't have indeed a good measure of inflation in general because inflation in our countries is in general uh, measured by a basket of stuff, okay? But for example, inflation in general uh, doesn't take into the concept real estate, okay? Some people will say, okay, so real estate is not inflation, okay? It's another thing, okay? But what I'm saying is inflation is not the number that we are seeing, okay? It's another number that maybe we cannot calculate because there is not exact number, but maybe it's much higher, okay, and use a new measure that we are not using, okay? And this is happening now uh, uh, with the pandemic, okay? So one thing is that, and there are other uh, stuff, like the other stuff is about governments uh, starting to enable new regulations, okay, and new people coming to the system, okay? But not only new people, indeed, it's not about new people, it's about financial institutions. Financial institutions are saving or are, are, are uh, investing part of their uh, of their uh, uh, of the money that they uh, work with uh, uh, in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So yeah, I I, I think um, I would like to give a couple of thoughts on that just to kind of stay on the first agenda point that we have because many of the stuff which we, we is said is actually for later on so don't give it away too soon guys sorry uh, sorry <laughs> no, sorry <laughs> no 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 it's 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 absolutely fine um no but just to kind of stay on uh blockchain how it works and what it is and what it isn't um i guess there is um as paul said this notion of but what happens um or how do we make sure that nobody tampers with with the data if it is decentralized and there is no central authority that controls uh that controls it and um so there is obviously crypto cryptography and protocols that make sure that this doesn't happen but sebastian could you perhaps give paul and me an example of where um where something if something goes wrong if there are bitcoin uh, blockchain protocols that that take this into account and have a solution already for that. Um, I know there is public and private blockchains, for example, where um, there is a blockchain where everybody can participate and there are others where you need the permission to participate. So just maybe briefly elaborate on that to give us a clearer picture. Y yes, I think, uh, tell me if I answer your question, but uh, in Bitcoin, there is a security assumption where uh, some nodes, which are the miners, okay, invest a lot of money, okay, to run the system. And if they break the system, because they can break the system if they uh, they, they, they they control more than X percent of the of the Bitcoin, okay, they maybe lose 
what they can earn in the next years, okay? So there is a game theory behind Bitcoin. We are talking about Bitcoin, okay? In, in, obviously, there are thousands of blockchains with different models, okay? But uh, in the context of Bitcoin, the assumption is that because you invest a lot of money, okay, uh, uh, doing this mining, okay, destroying the system will destroy the value that you created, okay? In a way, that's one of the assumptions. So you have an incentive okay. to maintain the network, not to destroy it. So it's an yes. incentivized network. Okay. Yes, but, but, but against that, in, in a, sorry, Tim, in a punk way, we can say, well, okay, a state actor, like a country, okay, can invest a lot of money to destroy Bitcoin, okay, or, an, or, or, or other cryptocurrency, okay, because they don't care about, maybe they don't care about saving the system, just destroying it, mm -hmm. okay? That's another assumption. Mm -hmm. But I, I think also Bitcoin gives 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 you liberty because um, basically Big Brother can't watch. So um, it's there's two ways of looking at it. I think Bitcoin gives you liberty because you can travel without borders and um, use your finances to um, the way you would like to use them yourself without having um, the tax officer calling end of the month and asking <laughs> how much tax have you paid. <laughs> and uh, especially if you don't agree sometimes with what the governments are doing, then um, this is your way of how not to support the system. But mm. yeah, this may be too punkish then <laughs> before we yeah. start another revolution. Um, maybe we could go a little bit into public and private blockchain. So um, for, for the dummies out there, um, what is private and what is public and is it similar like public and private cloud does it work the same way or um how how, how is it set up uh, yes well first when we talked about uh, public blockchains uh, there are like thousands of different technologies okay so there is no uh, super precise definition okay uh, but what we can say is that we, we can use our first definition, which is a decentralized database with security assumptions in public database in a public blockchain, and we assume assume that the blockchain is uh, is permissionless, like in the sense that everyone can participate there. Okay, uh, some people want to connect this idea with the idea of TCP/IP, the protocol of internet. Okay, when you say, okay, if you have access to internet. You can send information or receive information, okay? And you don't need to log in or, or sign up into a system. Obviously, you need to, to, to pay your ISP, okay? But once you have access or you have access by Wi-Fi or going to a coffee uh, store, uh, you have access. Like, they, they, they can censor you. So the idea of public blockchain is that. It's like you have a way to enter into a system that nobody can censor you. Okay, in the case of private blockchain, it's a different concept and it's, it can be stretched at, in a way that it, it is not a blockchain anymore, okay? Uh, because one important constraint of blockchains is performance. Blockchains are slow because synchronizing a database within, within a, a lot of nodes is slow, okay? Uh, and with the private blockchains, private blockchains in general are faster, but they don't have these security assumptions. So some private blockchains are just a chain of blocks, okay? But you can change the blocks, okay? 
uh, if there are only two actors in the game, like two, we can say like two banks, okay, if they, they can change the blocks, okay, because they are the owners of the system. So private blockchains are, I can say that the positive thing about the concept is that you can bring different organizations, different private organizations into a common ground in a, in a common protocol, okay? That's the, the good thing about of private blockchain or a, we can say like a, consort, a consortium that use a common protocol, okay? For example, Libra from Facebook, okay? Without arguing about Facebook, okay? Is a consortium of financial institutions and uh, marketplaces, okay, to have a common protocol for payments, okay, and it's a private blockchain, okay. It's a completely different, obviously, point of view. They can censor you, okay. They have uh, more control, and what is key in private blockchain, which is difficult to attain, is having all these institutions to agree on a common protocol. This is the problem that we had with banks. Banks tried like hundreds of banks to have a private blockchain, but it's difficult that hundreds of banks can agree on a common protocol. So we at the end, this consortium uh, go, any, uh, go nowhere, basically. There is, there is also this notion um, in, in what kind of data um, gets fed into the system. Um, for example, I think the, uh, I guess it's called, I think it's called Oracle, uh, where in some way or another, perhaps you would need data that is not in the blockchain itself. I don't know, for example, a price of a certain good. Um, and then, then you would need to feed that into the system. But a public blockchain, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't permit that necessarily without, um, without a without any measures on top. So you need something in addition. I think that is called the Oracle. Am I right or is that? Uh, you, you don't need an Oracle to run a blockchain. For example, Bitcoin runs without our, an Oracle. Okay, in the sense that uh, all the protocol works, okay? But the protocol, the Bitcoin protocol doesn't know anything about the price of Bitcoin. For the protocol, one Bitcoin is what Bitcoin is not uh, $35,000, okay? But the issue is that for certain applications, you need information from the real world. And that's where, uh, when uh, the oracles uh, play the role, okay? And the oracles in that context are a weakness, uh, a point, a weakness point, in the sense that because oracles are centralized, for example, if you have an application running in a blockchain which needs the price of Bitcoin, okay, it's obtaining the price from, for example, a Bitstamp. Exchange, yeah. Exactly, for example, okay. And if you hack the exchange, you change the system, okay. So even if the blockchain is perfect, okay, uh, you can you can game the system using this, these oracles, okay. And and that's one of the the, the main point of failure of different applications. Aren't there already oracles out there that they themselves are decentralized? I uh, think I've heard yes, the, there is a concept that the concept is not complete in, the, in this sense. Like, for example, 
uh, uh, you can have a decentralized oracle, okay, where different people inform you about the price of uh, Bitcoin, okay. Uh, but uh, if these people take the prices for the from the exchanges, at the end uh, you have a few sources, okay, of the information. You understand, like like even if it's decentralized, the oracle, okay, and different people or agents are feeding the information, okay. For example, for the price, the price at the end is in an exchange, okay. So if you game the exchange, you game even a decentralized oracle, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but the concept of decentralized oracle is protecting you against obviously bad actors, where mm -hmm. they want to fill wrong information. Okay, so there are uh, certain cases where uh, it solves some problem, but uh, uh, they don't solve all the problems being decentralized. Right. So just as the, the decentralization inherent to Bitcoin doesn't solve all problem, problems of Bitcoin, may I say. Um, especially in mining, uh, as you told before, there is perhaps someone with 51% power um, of mining in the in the Bitcoin uh, system doesn't necessarily have an interest to destroy, but it's it's still some kind of monopoly. So my question is, do we want that or do we not want that? And what, what would maybe be the reasons? That's already perhaps too political. So for later on, but I just want to kind of make that point. Now. Yes, it's a good point. Like if you ask all uh, Bitcoin fundamentalists, what we can say, like they 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 think like Bitcoin is the the digital gold, and it's like a, it will be running forever. Okay, uh, I think uh, I think about that from a scientific point of view, in the sense that Bitcoin was the first invention. Okay, afterwards. Uh, we have like a lot thousands of new inventions and we will have more in the future. So it's difficult from the scientific point of view to think that Bitcoin is the end of the story. Okay. Uh, so now my, my answer is like, we will see new things uh, uh, and, and we, we have like in 10 years, we will have maybe other kind of technologies. Okay. So, and I, and I don't think Bitcoin is perfect. Mm -hmm. uh, just we need to take into account that now is the the cryptocurrency with the uh, with the highest market capitalization, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, but well, it can change. Like if different people choose, if a, if a lot of people choose another blockchain, uh, they will say the digital gold is the Bitcoin too, okay? Just you need enough network effect. Right. Right. Okay, so after all these uh, clarifications, um, I would like to ask actually Valeria this time. These days, do I really need a blockchain? I mean, we now know it's a fancy um, combination of new te technologies. It makes a lot of money for some people. But so um, now after all these clarifications around blockchain, I have a question for Valeria actually, because it is still not clear to me or perhaps to some in the audience, why would I need a blockchain if I'm not interested in spe financial speculation? If I have enough money or I'm not interested in that, what other use is there to uh, blockchain? And, and why would I perhaps want one? 
Yeah, I think it's a really good question because, uh, um, you know, what I do is trying to find new opportunities for coin fabric here in Europe. And this happens a lot. Like all, some people is like interested in blockchain just because it's a fancy word, because it's trending, you know, and like, okay, I want that. And sometimes you actually don't need it. I think that uh, you need a blockchain when you need to build this trust among different um, or perhaps unknown parties. And so there are many uh, use cases in that sense beyond finance. And, and that's when it's gonna, you know, like really bloom, I think, when we start using it for other things that perhaps more people, or is it, it becomes like massive, actually. Because finance is a really small world. Uh, I hope it, it grows. It's, it's an interesting one. And, and I believe personally that we all should learn more about it because, because we need money. It's, it's a tool and we should uh, know how to use it. But, uh, but in other cases, for instance, uh, health or, or having an identity that is, it's, well, a really good use case is about your personal data. I think, and perhaps the, well, there are some projects and most of them are from governments or like big institutions, but about building an identity, uh, the digital identity where you could, um, where you could self-govern your data you know, like being the actual owner. And so you could share it with whomever you, you want. Um, that that's a really interesting use case, I believe, and it could you know like grow to health even, where you could share your data without compromising um, your identity, like the real one, like Valeria. But I could share my this information and uh, without compromising like myself in, in a way, and and I believe that that could be really helpful. In these times, you know, that we're, we are living in where our health is compromised in a way. I think, I, did I reply to your question? Was it too long? Yes, you did. So, because, yeah, you, you gave us the use case, actually, um, of, of health care. So, how blockchain could, could improve the use of your personal data to improve health, if I got that right. Um, is there something... Are there some perhaps not, not like... Perhaps your own health, but uh, in, the, in like a general way. If we could mm -hmm. all share our data, our health data, in a safe way mm -hmm. that doesn't compromise our like real identity, this could be really useful for research okay. and you know like for finding solutions for, for that that kind of sector. Yeah, I remember we talked about that with uh, with Victoria um, Gago, whom you both know. Um, about this let's let's stay on this for a minute um let's say i have some data about my like just some health data personal non-personal most of it will perhaps be personal but i want money for my data i want to actually get something in exchange uh, if i want if i share my personal data perhaps i want something in exchange um even if it's just a loyalty points to buy myself myself a new pair of running shoes or whatever it is um, how would you, how would you build something like that? Perhaps Sebastian and Valeria, if you just let's build this now in in, in ideas. How how would blockchain help doing that? Sebastian, would you like to go ahead? Yes, Tim. Can you can you explain a little more uh, about your question? 
Yes, sure. So, for example, um, I'm just picking up Valeria's idea of sharing data. Everyone shares data with everyone to improve uh, general health, for example, to find patterns in our like people that live in a certain area have lower blood pressure, whatever it is. But if I'm putting myself on the standpoint, oh, I don't want to share my data with everyone without getting something in exchange. How would you incentivize that? And would blockchain help help me doing that? Yes, I understand. I, I have two, two things to say uh, based on this. First, there is a new, beyond blockchain, uh, there are new cryptographic techniques, okay, which enables you to compile information, for example, uh, uh, information about the health, okay, of different people, okay, individuals, and you can co compile all this information and retrieve statistics about this information without having access to the uh, individual information, okay? This is something that we will see in the future. This technology exists, but we are not, it's not used right now or it's not popular, okay? But I think we will see that in the future because one concern about giving your health information uh, is about, obviously, you are giving your privacy, okay, with your uh, health information. Even if you don't show your name, or, or your name okay? Because, for example, if you, uh, send your NDA, uh, you are giving a lot of information about you. So one, I would say that in the future, we will see these techniques in practice where people can share information uh, to create, for example, a new vaccine, but they will not reveal their personal information, okay? The vaccine will be uh, built based on the statistics, okay? of the information, okay? That's one. Uh, the second thing is, yes, the blockchain can give you an incentive to share your information, okay? There you have other kind of problems that, for example, uh, how, how you can detect uh, if the information that people are sending, okay, is, uh, is, a fa is fake or not, okay? But taking taking this question uh, uh, and seeing beyond that, uh, the, I, I think the, the blockchain can incentivize sharing information, okay, and receiving uh, some compensation for that information. Okay. Well, you know, in, in terms of con compensation, there are uh, a number of projects uh, regarding, for instance, that they would compensate you for watching advertising or for even even Coinbase does it for watching a a, a video a, a learning course even a small one, so that that already already exists and I hope we will see that grow. Mm -hmm. So any anything um, or any exciting projects you at Coin Fabric are involved that you would like to share it because that that would be kind of now the moment where to present the use cases that you guys have ready for the audience or anyone interested? Yes, yes, we have now, I think more than 
100 projects that we have done, okay, in several areas like consulting, software development, and security audits. And I think some exciting projects, like one, is about a stablecoin, okay, which is called a money on chain, okay. It runs in the in a side chain called RSK, okay, which is a, a foundation running like a, a Bitcoin side chain, and this is like a stablecoin. Uh, with, with some good assumptions. Uh, this is like a great project. Uh, another one uh, was we work for a Taringa, is a popular social network in this region, okay? And they wanted to decentralize their social network. And this was a, not a developing project, a development project was a consulting project, okay? To to see what roadblocks you have to do that, okay? And this was very challenging and it was very interesting. And this company was acquired by RSK and they are now working on that project, okay? In decentralized social network. So I think that's exciting, okay? Uh, and that would be really interesting, I think. Imagine like decentralizing a social network. So your information does not belong to Facebook anymore. <laughs> it belongs to you know, all these well, all these numbers of, of notes have your information, and perhaps you could take it back. You know, I think that that's kind of like the idea that it would belong to you. Yes, and, and you have all kind of challenges from that. Like for example, uh, uh, people. Uh, need to put a stake in the system when they want to post, okay? Because if they don't behave well, okay, you can take their stake, okay? So there are a lot of game theory behind the, the decentralizing a social network, okay? Uh, I think these are like, we, we also, uh, in terms of decentralization, uh, we work in another project, which was connecting two blockchains in a decentralized way, in that context was connecting Ethereum with the Dogecoin blockchain. Okay, that was part of, of a bounty that we won. Uh, so- Because uh, imagine, you know, you have all these blockchains. We talked about Bitcoin, but there's Ethereum, there's Dogecoin, there, there's a lot of blockchains. So what happens between them? How do they connect? You know, like interconnectivity is, it's quite an issue. So this bridge, it, it was done in, in 2017, right? It was just uh, like three years ago, which seems like like a long time, but, but it's just now. This technology is so new that uh, all of these things end up being new, actually. So that, that was uh, really interesting. And it was a bounty, right, Sebastian? Yes, it, it was a bounty, uh, and, and we won uh, two parts of the bounty, okay? Uh, when the Ethereum was higher in price, so that was great. Uh, uh, and, and well, now, uh, fast forward to 2021, there are many projects that are working into this problem. And it's not an easy problem, eh? It's not an easy problem. But uh, we have new blockchains that are trying to connect. For example, uh, uh, we have Polkadot, which is trying to connect different blockchains or, or, or uh, building bridges between different blockchains, okay? We have Cosmos and we have many others, okay? So at that time was novel and now many teams are working on this idea. 
so, so why would you would you like to try and and, and connect different uh, blockchains like what, so who's what? your typical client this is this is what like would somebody come to you and be like who's well, a typical to... client who would ask you such yeah. a thing to do yeah. yeah that's that's a great question indeed it's not for maybe for the end user it's more uh, for the uh, at the protocol level uh, the interesting thing is like you can move from one blockchain to another maybe without going to an exchange okay so at the end you have like a flat uh, a flat line where you can move from one technology to another okay in an easy way okay without relying on centralized agents like exchanges because exchanges right now are mainly centralized okay uh, so it's more about the the technology level it's like as, uh, answering the question uh, why can you not why you cannot move from ethereum to bitcoin in a seamless way okay and you need to do like 10 steps to move from one place to another like it can be maybe just one click or it can be transparent if you need to use an ethereum application and if you have bitcoins okay that's the idea but we will see maybe more things about this in the in the next years okay because what the, the issue now with all these technologies is that they they don't have right now an easy user experience okay for the end user okay you you, you need some kind of expertise to use this okay uh, that's the issue uh, so so i see it you know you're like a crypto translator so yeah because basically you get two different languages and you need to somehow find a common ground and then connect it that, that will be <laughs> that's yes yeah, which is like, like so obvious. You know? Okay, so things should be connected, but it, it's not. So, uh, well, so yeah, it's really interesting yeah. how how it's being done. No, yeah. because uh, from, from my understanding, it's like different coding on every coin, and the way the mind is also completely different. And this is where data centers come into play because a lot of bitcoins are being mined in data centers. Um, I remember I had one time um, with a data center exhibition, and there was a. I think it was a Polish company because a lot of mining is done in Poland and in Eastern Europe and the big um, old bunkers, I think, they've been putting it in underground. And um, yeah, the guy was selling a, a Bitcoin a Bitcoin mining device. So you could buy it, I think it was like $20,000 or something. And you could put it just in your basement and it could stop mining for you and you could earn money from it. But uh, <laughs> I don't think bit. that's profitable anymore. But I yeah, well, know. probably now it will be profitable it, it because you just get one coin out of it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's profitable. You need also you need beyond the devices. You need to have like a, uh, a an electricity source, okay, which is cheap, okay, and in general that's another challenge. Mm. Yes, which brings us back to the problem, like the 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 concept of who already has uh, will will get more anyways because who has resources to invest in these kind of things will be rewarded with more mining uh rewards so to say Th yes, there's an interesting are... thing i read on that by the way lastly oh, sorry, um, Tim. Uh, are there, yeah. there are like proof of stake like now for example new systems that for example one is True. proof of stake which doesn't use uh, all these resources that are not eco-friendly no true true yeah true that's that's even what some wallets uh, offer now to to investors to kind of stake their currency uh and and, and earn some kind of interest on that 
Um, and I, I know from, yeah, from your website that you also offer uh, wallets. wallets. Um, what kind of wallets are these? Are these for end users, investors, or whom, whom are these for? Yes, in general, like, you have the clients that want to develop their own wallet. Uh, just there are white label solutions in the sense that they want to create their own wallet. Uh, we have, instead of starting to create uh, your wallet from scratch, Okay, you have you have a already a, a software that you can customize for your needs. Uh, so it's a it's indeed some side product that is natural from the kind of customers that we have. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, and they obviously save into instead of starting the, the all the software uh, from scratch. Okay, Valeria, I guess you wanted to add something on on that. No, I just wanted to add that perhaps uh, you were saying like, okay, the one that has resources is able to do many things. But if you can make money out of uh, just watching a video and or watching advertising or learning something or even creating your crypto kitty or 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 whatever, you know, like, uh, uh, well, you you could start from there, and that's right at home. Uh, you don't need anyone else but you just just a, a computer and, and a connection and mm -hmm. i think that 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 is really interesting especially for for young kids you know for new generations that perhaps they're just you know like trying to find their way and as we all did you know and trying different things in that process which is so natural and they come across these kind of things that they could actually make money out of that and try to invest it and and you're trying to learn this this world and maybe buy a pair of jeans or whatever but uh but it's something and and i think that it's going to change those generations right because they have a they will have a different relations with with value and the creation of value mm -hmm. that, that would yeah definitely definitely i mean it's it's um it's this whole concept of actually doing something that feels and and that feels and looks like like leisure, which is actually generating value, or doing something that feels and looks like learning something, which is actually generating value for some someone else or yourself, or partly for someone else and partly for yourself. So that's a very interesting, yeah, a very interesting paradigm shift we are we are witnessing indeed. So. Um, yeah, exciting times. Um, now maybe time to address the point um, in terms of uh, regulations and politics, because there's obviously um, as paradigm shift always a need to, or not, perhaps you 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 say not um, to to adapt the rules of play and make sure that there is yeah some understanding of what collectively we want to achieve. Um, so, what do you think are the current regulations of blockchain at, to ask a very general broad question to start well, with? Uh, well, in terms of specifically cryptocurrencies, okay, uh, which is now the top use for, for blockchains, okay, mainly for uh, uh, speculations or uh, uh, transferring money from one point to another, okay, uh, not saying that speculation is bad, uh, it's good or bad. It's just saying that uh, most of the use of these blockchains uh, is speculation and 
transmitting money, transfer money from one place to another, okay? Uh, and some payments, obviously. Uh, so in that context, uh, there are a lot of, well, there are many regulations. Regulations varies uh, from country to country or from state to state. In the US, you have different states uh, with different regulations. Uh, so that's a, a, a big issue in the sense that uh, one, strong regulations can difficult some use of these cryptocurrencies, okay? Uh, because now it's like, it's ironic, but you have a permissionless network, okay? But there are new services, for example, chain analysis, which are analyzing uh, 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 the cryptocurrency transaction and, and they can say, okay, this transaction is from, I don't know, from money laundering, okay? And they can stop in the exchange things happening from uh, this alert. So you have, on one side, you have the permissionless crypto, uh, blockchain, but on the other hand, regulation can stop people to use this technology, okay? So regulations are happening everywhere. Uh, I think it's uh, it's impossible to not have regulation, even if fundamentalists want no regulation at all. But at the end, uh, when you need, I don't know, to transfer the money from an exchange to a bank, you need a regulation because the, the bank will not work, okay, in a decentralized way, okay? So not saying that regulations are good or bad, saying it's inevitable to have regulations, okay? On This is on one hand, but on the other hand, Regulations are like a competition between different jurisdictions, okay? If blockchain is huge or will be huge, uh, maybe we want to do business in the place in the world with a more compatible regulation, okay? So at this, in this context, we, we always talk about the, a new Cold War between China and US, for example. And, and why not add Europe, okay? In the sense that Europe can set up regulations that are more interesting for entrepreneurs to build projects in Europe than in US, okay? So in a way, regulations will work, I think, uh, in favor of businesses, okay, at the end, okay? Uh, so that's what, uh, and we are seeing this with stable coins, okay? Stable coins are the new world, like, uh, uh, now you, we have stablecoins like USDC, USDT, which uh, are used every day for transferring uh, maybe dollars from one place to another, okay? But if China uh, is successful launching their own stablecoin in their system, maybe the international businesses are happening maybe using Yuan, okay, from China, okay? And this is a, a way to attack the American system. Okay. Or even Europe can use the euro because euro is not used a lot for international transfer like the, the US dollar. So I think that's uh, interesting. Yeah, right. Like regulations, I think that could enable things. And I think that we should try to see it like that way. You know, right now, I think it was today or yesterday, the OCC, the, the American OCC permitted the, the the stable coins the transference of stable coins uh, between banks so it's all these financial institutions all of a sudden have that are, are backed by by this big american institution is 
it's a, it's a big deal. So this this stable coins to begin with, but perhaps someday the cryptocurrency are beginning to enter the the traditional financial world, and and then they're here to stay, I think. And we'll see what happens. It's really interesting what Sebastian is saying about this Cold War. You know, like so, what's going to happen between the U.S. and China? How is Europe going to play? And how all of this is going to come out? All right, this is trial number three with the uptime in London. Um, <laughs> like a, a big shout out to Thomas King. Please bring day kicks to London so we don't have these issues because um, maybe 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 it's Brexit. Maybe maybe <laughs> the European Union has cut a cable or something. Um, this is this is my theory, but. Um, yeah, I, I think we're going to get an eviction notice immediately, Tim. Um, maybe I, I already have like my this, preset but, um, status. I don't need to worry anymore. <laughs> don't know about you. Okay, okay. You better hurry up, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, the, the thing is, you're Swiss, so Swiss passports are always a little bit stronger than German passports. Because we're not uh, in the EU either, so we have trouble. this kind of um, bilateral strategy where we just shut you guys out and do our own thing. And yeah. <laughs> Well, I would, I would always, uh, I would almost say you almost like the French who never take a side. Um, but that's no, the French always lose. We never take a side, which well, makes that no, we no, always no, the win. The, that's the... the the French have never lost the war because they always surrender, what? but they seem to always come out and win it. But anyways, okay, okay, um, okay. Back to liberty and uh, surrendering yourself uh, is a nice example. Um, so before it got cut off multiple times because uh, we don't know London London Internet Exchange seems to be going mad or some robot is lacking and he's pulling out the same cable ten times in the data center. Um, I was saying that um, I, I feel with putting regulations in place that the Bitcoin is going to use his liberty because the founder, the way I saw it, but nobody really knows who this guy is who was the first no. guy. It was some guy in Asia who just... No, we don't know where... I mean, where what is your theory? Do you guys... Sebastian, have you met no, him? No, 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 I don't X? have a theory indeed. It's like... Uh, uh, it can be like... Some theories are... Is that there is someone uh, who was in the... I heard this Kim Jong Un, but this is just who was in the cypherpunk <laughs> list. Okay, uh, it was someone who everybody knows, but maybe is maybe probably is dead now. Okay, that's one theory. Okay, I heard this. He must be the richest yeah, man in the world. I heard Sebastian actually. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, no, no. I think probably probably he or she is dead. Okay, uh, but well, we don't know. We don't know. Well, I I heard I heard um, what this was on a very drunken evening in Amsterdam. Uh, if it was last year when the world was still okay, um, we were in Amsterdam and I was at a conference and um, went for drinks in the evening and things get funny and then one guy who was a blockchain guy. <laughs> Um, quite known, well, a very, very well-known blockchain person. We started, and he's like, well, he had this theory one time, it's North Korea who created it. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, this is how Kim Jong-un is financing his entire fund and stuff because he's basically, now everybody's buying Bitcoins. He's becoming one of the richest men in the world. And 
I don't think. But that's I true, think if, but, if it was um... North Korea, uh, you will see you will see the bitcoins moving, okay, from the original transactions, and we are not seeing the bitcoins moving. And yeah. North Korea is investing a lot in hacking uh, others, okay. okay. Yeah, but they're really yes, good in IT. Are, yes, yeah, not, I mean, not saying only North Korea is hacking. Uh, saying every <laughs> every country is doing that. Okay, just just that if North Korea uh, has the original bitcoins, okay, instead of hacking, maybe they just need to <laughs> change them. Okay. <laughs> well, Sebastian, uh, do you want to so, tell uh, the story about how how Sergio found the Satoshi's wallet? And that's how uh, we know yeah, Sergio, that. Sergio Lennart, who is uh, one of our co-founders, okay, and, and works uh, as an engineer for this sidechain, which is called RSK. Okay, no, uh, he has uh, some articles, okay, tracing the transactions uh, of uh, Satoshi or a probable Satoshi, okay. Um, like the and, first one. He's, yes, he's... Well, the, the, you, you can see the transaction and he's trying to guess uh, which machine, which computer he used for using that. That they, These are very interesting reading, but so technical, no? Uh, to sum it up, uh, he found Satoshi's wallet. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but it's like more clear this way. <laughs> yes, it's like, it seems like he knows, like he knows, or he, he writes about uh, which wallets uh, which addresses uh, could be the ones from Satoshi? Satoshi, like okay. the original one. Yes. And what we know about that is that uh, Satoshi or whomever that was never spent his bitcoins. So his stake is like. Oh, God. So how many bitcoins are I said about Thousands. North Korea. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, that would be great. It's like the Holy exactly, Grail. Exactly. It's like there, the Holy Grail. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but. but 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 that's the, but that's the hipster community of blockchain. And you're gonna surrender it to 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 uh, to some government who's gonna dig it up and, no, and find some Toshi's wallet and put it in. Yes, I, I, I recommend his blog, uh, which is bitslog.com. Okay, noted. Uh, noted. Uh, and it has like these studies about the the original transactions. Conspiracy theories, love it. Yes, that, uh, it's, it's, it's super interesting. Uh, it's super, super interesting. Uh, Paul, on what you were saying about liberty and regulators and all that, um, I believe that in a way we kind of like need them, and because all these regulations uh, enable us. But I mean, Bitcoin's blockchain is not going to change actually due to that actually, but. I think that it's one of the reasons that it has gained value, that all of a sudden this becomes legal, so you can make these transactions with your Bitcoins. So that's how it's it's becoming more valuable. It's at least one of the reasons. So in a way, it, it enables, you know, uh, it's helping in a way. And I think that we should try to keep looking that, you know, how how we could make more out of it instead of like the other way around. Indeed, you will have always, um, always the peer-to-peer -peer way, okay, where you don't need banks, okay, uh, for transacting. So you have the two alternatives. Obviously, you have you, you can follow the regulations, or you can do that in your own way. Yeah, but governments will block it. They will make they will say that's a great Bitcoin and that's a 
But here comes my next thing. Um, Bitcoin for me is so normally a currency or a currency or a stock, a share in a company is based on the performance of the company or the performance of a country's economy and how many gold reserves are behind it and the GDP and all of these things. Bitcoin is based on finger in the air and how many people are shopping today, um, which is basically works on demand supply model. So if the if so is that in the future? Is it going to go up to $500,000 or how do you see it going? Yes, I, I don't know what's the future. Uh, the, the question that I heard that I think is better to know if uh, to think about Bitcoin is if this is the last bull run, okay? Thinking about the last bull run, okay? Because maybe one theory is like there will be a last bull run, okay? And uh, uh, we don't know which is the last one. And there is another theory, which is like, it will increase the price all the time. Okay. Uh, because Bitcoin is like digital gold. Uh, I, I think like uh, taking uh, from what you said, uh, Paul, uh, Bitcoin is obviously the part of the success, the success of Bitcoin is connected with the, the network effect of Bitcoin. Okay. Because we have a lot of people that uh, believes in Bitcoin, okay? If as uh, more people believes in another technology, okay, which is sound, which where, where you say, okay, this is the right technology, well, maybe there is another digital gold. Like, I don't agree with the idea that Bitcoin could be the, is the only digital gold, okay? Because this is about technology. In 10 years, we will see another thing, okay? Uh, another concept. So, uh, I don't know, uh, so what's the next Bitcoin? What where should I put no, my money? No, right no, no. I I don't know. Is there like I, I think <laughs> I, I, I think there are like there are new technologies, uh, uh, but there are new technologies. The problem with some of these new technologies, it they have like uh, maybe more inflation. Okay, they have some. Sometimes they don't have. They are not bounded to a limit. For example, Bitcoin is limited to twenty-one million uh, bitcoins. Okay, and some technologies are not bounded. Okay, so there is a there is a lot of discussion about the economic model of these new blockchains. Okay, where they can be better in the technical side, but maybe they there can be more inflationary. Okay, uh, so I don't know. Indeed, if you ask me, I I think what I know is that this is interesting from the scientific point of view, in the sense that we will see new things coming. All the time, proof of stake, like uh, the thing that is that will come maybe someday with Ethereum, and it is happening with Algorand uh, uh, and, and other uh, blockchains, is super interesting. It's something to follow, okay? But that doesn't mean that the price will skyrocket, okay? Uh, because you can have a great technology, but maybe the great technology is not connected to a high currency price. Uh, I don't know if, if, if I was clear in the sense that a good technology for blockchain doesn't mean that uh, you have a good technology as a currency. Yeah. Yeah, I guess in the end it's gain all that hype and, and that value because I think that what's really interesting is that the creation of value remains in us human beings. <laughs> it's not in the technology itself. 
Uh, I, and, I was about uh, to say a similar thing. If you, if you think yeah. about art, for instance, but, how how do you create that value? It's a it's it's a matter again of of trust and well in the case of Bitcoin it's also it, it's scarce uh, as Sebastian was saying and it's the new digital gold or it's understood that way because it seems like a good uh, place you know a storage of value you know where we can have your savings in, in a way and you're not going to lose that it's I mean if you save dollars perhaps. It's going to lose its value, but if you're saving in bitcoins, uh, apparently it's just going to go up, and and well, that's a source of value in a practical way, you know. I'll be. It'd be funny if one day <clears throat> comes out this is Satoshi or Satoshi's wallet guy. He's still alive, and he wrote in his will that when he dies, his kids get it and they should delete the entire platform. (laughs) 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 No, it's like the final move. It's like capitalism, die, press delete. (laughs) It's coming to many people like having like wallets and they they lose their wallet, okay? Yeah, there was the crypto queen, right? Um, There was this lady who took money from a lot of people and created her own... um, Currency and uh, nowhere to be found. Yes, um, yes, that that's something. That Valeria, all day, passes, every day, every day. There are a lot of uh, also scams. Yeah, it's 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 quite a scary world, but um, yeah, it's great. I mean, this is what I like about Bitcoin or blockchain. There's just a lot of um, conspiracy theories you can always go through and go over. Um, but yeah, um, thanks both of you for. Um, coming on on the podcast it was i i it's always the, the nicest things is to talk about this um blockchain conspiracy <laughs> theories with uh, bitcoins and hopefully we have you both back at some point and then um the bitcoin either doesn't exist anymore it's or it's at three hundred fifty thousand dollars. but then probably we need to speak to both of you on your private jets while you're flying uh somewhere because um <laughs> wouldn't that be um, nice <laughs> i would say one of my big yeah, no, I would say one of my biggest regrets till today is um, I remember when Bitcoins first came out because I lived, I grew up in Dubai. And back then, a friend of mine, when I was in university, he's like, oh, um, I'm buying this coin thing. It's $250. And I was like, oh, what a waste of money. He's like, no, no, you should really look into it. He's like, oh, oh, no way, stupid. Um, now he still has them till today, and he bought them for that much back then. So, um it's a very lucky yes, man. Yes, and there are people yeah. who obviously who, who buy Bitcoin at zero uh, point point one, okay, uh, ten cents, yeah. and they obviously maybe maybe they uh, sell it at one hundred, and they say, "Well, I did like a good." They don't business anymore. anymore. Because you need to wait. You need to wait. That's the issue. Like, it's. Is there any because you said like so the guy on the blog which you mentioned um, so he traced back is there any percentage where people think that's how many because you said there's a limit of twenty one million coins right is there any um, perception of how many coins might have been lost in wallets that people can't access anymore because there must be quite a lot yes uh, you cannot trace wasted wallets in an easy way because. From the perspective, when you read the blockchain, what you see is is addresses are addresses that are not used. Okay, 
you can infer some ideas, okay? okay? Uh, you can go to sites like CoinMetrics, okay? When you see, for example, unused wallets, okay? Like old wallets, okay? And you can infer something from that, okay? But you don't know, and, and there are like some private studies, okay? Asking people about if they lose their wallet or not, okay? But looking at the blockchain itself, what you can see is that uh, addresses, Bitcoin addresses with money, but that had not been used for a long time. Okay. And you can infer okay. from that idea well, that they, because they are not moving that, maybe they lose their Bitcoin, but you don't know. You don't know if, some, if it's something, if it's someone who just stored the Bitcoin and is waiting for the Bitcoin to, to reach, I don't know, $1 million. Wow, that would be good inflation then. Um, yeah, party. Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay. So um, the last word is always of our guests, and I think we should close it on the note of Bitcoins reaching $1 million. Um, so ladies first, and then we move over to Sebastian. So the okay. stage is all yours. Well, what I would like to say that it, I think that one of the interesting learnings about blockchain and Bitcoin is how we should collaborate, actually. In a decentralized environment, is there are many players that need to play together by the same rules. And, and I think with the pandemic and all, um, one of the learnings is that we need to collaborate, uh, to work together. We are all together like in this planet or whatever, and we need to work together, being able to collaborate in, a, in an honest way. And over to Sebastian. Yes, I, I would say first, this is like an, an unstoppable trend, even by regulations. Okay, in the sense that uh, this is like the first time that we have a financial technology that is not connected with uh, with the states. Okay, with the states or uh, with center of power. So. I think that's great. That's it is great also to see uh, a great experimentation in in decentralized finances. Okay, even if we can see that as a gambling and super risky, like we have a moment where we can play with financial tool, okay, without being a bank, okay, and that's great. I think we will have new theories, okay, at the fundamental level of finances and economy and uh, economics because of this, okay? And this is something that's super interesting. And also I want to continue with what Valeria just said. Uh, I think there is a great opportunity of competition, like cooperating, uh, competing between different parties, okay? Using these kind of technologies, okay? More open uh, uh, and this will be like a, a, another unstoppable trend, I think. Okay, great. So um, we want to thank you both for coming as guests and we hope to welcome you soon back when Bitcoin is at a million dollars. Thank you Perfect. so much for having us. Thank you so much, guys. Thank, thank you. you. So much fun. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. 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 Wow, I don't even know how much time uh, 
has passed since we've started talking. A um, couple of times there was an internet uh, Thomas problem. King, shout out again, Thomas King, please. Yeah. Come, come fix it. <laughs> <laughs> come and fix it, mate. <laughs> come and fix it. D fix it. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna even tag them on LinkedIn and. Yeah, like, do, that, do that. No, no anyways, um, yeah. it, was a, it was a great session once again. Learned lots of stuff. Um, quite a challenge though to handle two guests at the same time, and I guess for two guests it was quite a challenge to handle. Well, both you, <laughs> both of us, I would say, but I'd say rather you because you're the conspiracy <laughs> But great stuff, anyways. Um, so, Paul, what's your takeaway? Uh, my takeaway is Kim Jong Young. If you're listening to this, um, please come <laughs> and speak about how you started the blockchain and the Bitcoin. <laughs> um, I, I actually, I actually like. I don't know. It's like every time, every time I think about this guy, it's just like I, I see this uh, the, the the movie they made, the interview. Have you ever seen it? Which the movie? With him? No, 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 no. It's called the interview. So it's really like. You haven't seen it. Well, you have to watch it. Anybody out there has to watch this movie. Anyways, so um, I think it's, I mean, a Bitcoin, it's crazy. It's just, like I said, um, I. this is my personal opinion, and people don't get me wrong. And Philip Sander also, if you hear this, um, forgive me for this one. But I just think with putting regulations in place, you lose the liberty and you, you lose the thought behind what well, was Bitcoin created for. I don't agree, man, because see regulations also protect people from from scams and all that because if you get wow. scammed on an exchange buying some yeah but assets, buying a bitcoin you, you, have, you have nobody to turn to whereas if you have regulation the state has a reason to act on your behalf and punish the ones that did the wrongdoing well perhaps don't get the money back but i guess it's necessary and but let's not argue about this i um after all, it's not a philosophical and political podcast, even if it tends to be one always towards the end. But yeah. So what's your opinion about blockchain and regulation? Um, may we ask? Write us in the comments um, on LinkedIn. Um, write us an email. Contact us in any way you would like and come to talk or just share your ideas and we see what, what we'll do with it. Yeah. In yeah, and please reach out and subscribe and thanks for listening and thanks for being loyal to us. And Tim, are we doing a pledge for this year? I think we are. And part of our pledges, well, we you guys are gonna see a bit of things happening, but um mm -hmm. main focus we wanna try to focus a lot on sustainability this year, bring this a little bit closer to you guys. So we have some really interesting guests coming from all around the world and we're going to have some people coming back um who also feel like they need to they want to raise more concerns when it comes to sustainability when it comes to data centers um i think you guys get the hint already who's going to be coming back and she's going to be bringing a guest mm -hmm. um so things are getting quite interesting in the coming weeks from and... a not so uh, unknown company by the way isn't it oh i think everybody knows that company yeah oh, let's let, yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's it's yeah let's let's okay but oh, on yeah. that note um Guys, there's stuff up uh, coming in the events um, part as well of our of yes. our being the 27th of January. Please put a big circle around that day because that's the day where we're going to going to. And it's uh, going to get funky and punky because me and Tim are the ones moderating the panels. So exactly. Uh, so if you want to, <laughs> if you want to get us on a more serious note, talking about actual stuff, we've are you going to wear a black tie, Tim? 
Oh, you're just suit, suit and tie. Yeah. yeah uh, okay. If you maybe guys I start get... by cutting my beard because it has get out out of hand somehow. <laughs> you can't <laughs> see me now, but guys. Um. Anyways, I, yeah. I don't look like on my LinkedIn profile anymore. That's that's all I can say. <laughs> so um. <laughs> <laughs> on your LinkedIn profile, you look like a milk delivery boy. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know how to take that. Thank you. I guess. <laughs> Milk delivery boy. Uh, anyways, um, circle twenty seventh of Jan. We're gonna have uh, Gaia X kickoff. Basically, <laughs> delivery boy. You could have said Amazon guy, but no, you chose the milk delivery boy. No, like like you know, in German, you have to say milk milk booby. Ah, yeah. that's where it's coming from. Ah, yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, guys, uh, serious note: twenty seventh of Jan. Circle it in. Um, we're doing. Uh, we're speaking about Gaia X, which is a massive topic. So we're gonna have some really cool guests on the panels. So we're gonna speak about Gaia X from an infrastructure perspective, software perspective, um, accreditation, certification perspective, and we're gonna have um, a lot of the founders. And yeah, it's gonna be quite interesting. And of course, we're gonna have the, the the usual suspects like Andreas and everybody there as well. So um, if you guys want to see us live in action, um, that's the date. So hope to see you then. And other than that. Um, keep a very positive mind and stay healthy. That's all we can say. Thank you very much. Bye, guys. Cheers. Bye.